And welcome back to the Podmore Get Better podcast. We are broadcasting from the Podmore Get Better studios here in Burnsville, Minnesota. I'm Will Sandstead. Tony Johnson here. With This is course number four out of five. The 2019 preview, review, course check, whatever we're calling it. Uh, we are on Agave Ranch, a.k.a. a gravy ranch. Why do you call it a gravy ranch, Tony? Uh, well, you know, maybe, I've, maybe I haven't done this course enough of a service. <laughs> I, uh, first of all, there's no other courses that sound that I can say are gravy based on their name. Uh, but, you know, it, it's an easy-ish course. I'm mm-hmm. not sure it's the easiest, but it's probably, it's probably the second easiest, I would say. Uh, and, uh, yeah, so, and uh, hashtag uh, shout-out to Al Jazz uh, for coming up with a gravy. Yeah, this is good, a good call. Yeah, this is a pretty straightforward course, so I think uh, our review won't be as, as detailed as some of the others. We'll still do our whole by whole breakdown, obviously. But in terms of shooting golden tea par, I think this course, as opposed to any of the others this year, um, for your entry level player, mid level player, I think this is going to give you your best shot to birdie every birdie hole, eagle every eagle hole, and I think this is the course that's going to bring it to you. Yeah, I think I agree. I think. Uh, Beale Creek, Beals Creek is the other one that uh, I would say is, is easy, uh, but I think there's a couple, the par on that one is higher in mm-hmm. terms of more under par, uh, but I think there's a couple holes on that course that are a little bit tougher than the toughest holes on this course. Agreed. And so I agree that uh, this is probably the easiest one to shoot Golden Tee par on. So let's jump into it, hole one. No, before we do. Oh. I play streaks. I play Razoids, a.k.a. Razors. Uh, we, we have to get it out of the way. Clubs, uh, same club set as Catadreus and Beals for me. Gap Wedge, 9-iron, nine 9-hybrid, nine 7-hybrid, 5-hybrid, 8-wood, 3-bird, 6-5-4, 3-wood, 290 driver, and 8.5-degree, 310. You've got that broke down to a science. I can't uh, reel it off like that. That sounds like a uh, Eminem freestyle rap right there. Uh, I'll go through mine here again. I have a lob wedge, sand wedge, 9-iron, 8-iron, 6-iron, 5-hybrid, 8-wood, 6-wood, 5-wood, 4-wood, 3-wood, and a 290, 10.5-degree driver, as well as the 8.5, 310-yard driver. So, uh, in general, that's pretty much my standard set. Uh, If you listen to the Sandhill episode, you know I I mix things up a a bit on Sandhill. Really, the only variation on my standard bags is what degree loft I play on my driver, and... uh, and then this course it's eight and a half, because mm-hmm. uh, I'm I'm looking for that little bit of extra distance. And and if some of those drive semi drivable par fours, which we'll talk about in a second, are downhill, then I feel like it gives me even a little bit more of an advantage to play the eight and a half with the streaks compared to the nine and a half. Yeah, and you've talked about the streaks in the three previous course breakdowns, where you feel like there's a hole or two on every course where the streaks potentially give you a one or two hole advantage which ultimately in turn gives you a one or two stroke advantage on the field yep and we'll get there pretty quick on this course all righty so uh, let, not the first hole but so, yeah, so, maybe. so let's jump into it uh agave ranch hole one par five uh pretty straightforward slightly uphill uh yep. this is this is actually giving me a little bit of trouble uh not trouble in terms of not getting a birdie but some of my approach shots I'm going to throw this drive out in the fairway, avoiding the rough, avoiding the bunkers, and also the hard dirt over to the left and the right of the fairway. So as I'm in the fairway, or hopefully the first cut, um, a lot of times I'm just thumbing into this hole. Mm -hmm. But 
with the slight uphill elevation from your second shot, your approach shot going into the green, uh, I've definitely had to either thumb the ball harder uh, to make sure it gets to the hole or ultimately palm or change my club to make sure I have the distance. I don't know if you've had that same issue with streaks. Uh, just a little something subtle I've noticed because early on your round, you are going to try to chase a hole out on a flat green like this with minimum winds. Absolutely. So when I, on this hole, uh, I've got... First, I'm looking at the tee box. What tee mm -hmm. box am I in? So the tee box that's on goldenteefan.com is the all-the-way-back tee box. And so I'm at this point, I'm trying to line up the wind as best mm -hmm. I can. It's, it's 477 yards on Golden Tee Fan, and uh, I'm just trying to get a dead-end wind. So this happens to have a one wind at about 11 o'clock, so I'm going to go on the right-hand side of this and see if I can't get that one wind dead straight. Uh, but from the other tee boxes, so from the very front box, I'm, I'm doing a big high T roll, A1 or C3, trying to get up on the green. From the middle two tee boxes, which are essentially the same, uh, I, I, it is uphill like Will said, but I, I, I think, and, and I talked about this a little bit on, on Beale Creek preview, I think, the, the streaks bounce more than the grabbers, which I had gotten pretty used to. And because of that, actually, it bounces up the hill pretty well for me. So I can do a big A1 or a big C3 from those middle two tee boxes, and I'm not getting on the green, but I'm getting 25, 30 yards away, and that's a pretty juicy chip compared to having to let, lay back and hole up from the fairway. And so yeah. that's my strategy on this with streaks. No, great approach. So if, if you're able to chip in and get that stroke advantage on this hole, I think uh, you need to reward yourself early and often. Oh, that's a beautiful sound and a beautiful taste. Cheers, Will. Cheers, Tony. Ooh, there we All go. Right. And here's the hole. Here's this is this is my uh, one hole on streakoids. Agave. This is my streak hole, uh, and from this back tee box, not so much. Uh, back tee box. This was a terrible setup for you on uh, this round on Golden Tee Fan. <laughs> I hope uh, I birdie. Again, yeah, we'll get to track Will's round again this round. Uh, but uh, yeah, from here I'm probably. I'm probably <coughs> laying back and trying to line up the wind. But from the front to from the front box, I'm going straight at it. I don't even have to hit a one or a C three. I'm going straight at it, unless it's a big headwind or something. But from that middle box, there there's where my big advantage is. And we talked about it on uh, Sand Hill number one, for sure. Uh, Catadreus number two. And here's where my big advantage is. If I can get that middle box, uh, unless I've got this uh, on this setup, it's a big eight headwind. But I'm getting on that green. Yeah. And uh, and having to. Uh, putt in as opposed to chipping from that bunker is just so much easier. Absolutely huge. Yeah, so if if you're a listener to the podcast and you're fairly new or a mid-level player, uh, I tend to shy away from streaks unless they're in a daily where I find a hole that you absolutely have to get to and can only get there with the streaks. This year, 2019, is a great year to experiment with the streaks and potentially throw them in your bag. You're going to get that added distance and potentially gain a stroke or two on each course. Yeah, and, and as, as I've said in a couple of the other course previews, I, I've not been a streaker for a while. Um, it's been at least a handful of years since I've been uh, very strongly on the streaks, and, and I am this year. I think there's at least one hole per round that gives me, gives me an advantage over a non-streaker. Uh, so anyway... On a hole, on a hole three, par three, relatively straightforward. Uh, the only issue here is that I always, in my brain, think it's a left two, but it's actually a right two. Agreed, agreed. <laughs> yeah, something about it just makes me think it's going to break to the left, but uh, but it doesn't. It goes to the right. Yeah, so, I, uh, try to hold it out. Yeah, I, I find myself uh, putting roll and release 
on this shot a lot more often because I'm typically hitting a five hybrid or a six iron. Yep. And I, I think this is a hole you can really chase after. Not much, you know, grade in the green. You, you, you're going to have a down one, maybe a, you know, right two, as Tony pointed out. But No this bunkers. Is I mean, there's just nothing up by that green. And even, like, if, even if you happen to land a little short, it'll bounce up on. I mean, yeah. there's just not a lot of... Uh, not a lot of fear on this hole. Hole four. So hole four, there are a couple different options here. We have two tee boxes. We have separated fairways. So we have a singular fairway, and then we have a far distant fairway. I find myself probably only going to that far fairway with a high 310-yard driver probably 15, maybe 20% of the time. It's about the same for me. Uh, once again, we have a little nipple or I, that if. We've talked about nipples on a couple of these podcasts, the course previews. That is a nipple. That is that, an erect that. nipple. <laughs> yeah, Someone <laughs> is horny and it's cold out. <laughs> that is uh, pointy and sharp. Uh, so I'll go up to that little nipple on the first fairway uh, probably another 15% of the time. But the vast majority of the time, I'm going to the far right-hand side of the fairway, which is going to leave you a usually a 5, 4, 3, or even a 290 into yep. the screen, depending on the pin location. Gives you a much straighter shot. The only problem with that nipple, and as much as I love nipples, and I don't like problems with nipples, uh, it does slightly slope to the left. So if you have a right-to-left win, there's a chance that you're trying to throw it in the fairway with biter backspin. Backspin is going to accentuate, and can you continue to bounce down that fairway? And as it's coming to a roll, it's going to progressively go to the left. What you're going to want to do Mm-hmm. Bite the nipple. You're gonna want to use bite on a the gentle nipple. bite, though. A gentle bite. Okay. Uh, Soft. So and... I, me personally, I do not go to the nipple on this hole, uh, for a, a different reason. It makes the hill that makes the hill makes the hole more uphill than I Elevated. like, especially with streaks. So I'm either going to the the deep fairway ten percent of the time, <coughs> maybe. Or I'm going where Will said, which is to the far right-hand side, and I'm doing that the vast majority of the time. Mm -hmm. And for me, that's a like Will said, it's 250 to 290 yards, depending on uh, depending on where the pin is, really. And so that's my approach on this hole. Yeah. Uh, so we talked about over on Beals Creek, the par par fives are pretty straightforward. Uh, this gives you a couple different options, a couple different varieties. And it's not necessarily hard, it's early in the round, uh, but there are opportunities where if you don't hit the proper shot, you can definitely lose a stroke much easier than any of the par fives on Beals Creek. Absolutely. Uh, and if you're Mark Stenmark, uh, at the TOC first round, you par that hole. Ooh, that's but right. I think come back to win that round, like a true that champion. match, and then come back to win the whole Tournament of Champions. Congratulations to Mark. That it was a bit, that was a big win. And I wasn't sure it was going to happen when you parred hole four on a gravy ranch. But you did it. Yeah. Stayed dry, made par, lost two strokes, still came back. The, the heart of a champion. Congratulations, Mark Stenmark. Hole five on Agave Ranch. Uh, this is a par four, and I've actually had some issues with this. I'm still trying to get proper judgments on heights. We got three different tee boxes here, and we have a mountain that separates you and the green for the most part. Uh, the green does slope to the left, and oftentimes you're gonna hit a high four wood, five wood, six wood into this green. And even with a high five wood, I've found myself hitting the mountain in front of it Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. fairly often, and similar to Mark Stenmark, I've lost two strokes without getting wet. Yeah, I think uh, this is a good hole. 
There's because yeah. you got three you got three T boxes and three different approaches, three semi different approaches. From the from the shortest or the the, the furthest left T box, you can just maybe play a little gentle A one, maybe even straight at the whole. I've thumbed into this hole for sure. Uh, yeah. So pretty straightforward from there. But from these other two T boxes, if you're in the back back T box, uh, not so bad. You're high teeing. Yep. It's a it's a very catadreous hole. It's a high T five or a high T six. From that front though, you got to be careful. Uh, I find myself purposely backing all the way up in that tee box. It doesn't even matter the yep. distance, right? Uh, I just want to get as far away from that hill as possible so that I can clear For it because yep. because it is a lot taller hill than it looks, um, and so you got to make sure you get over it. Otherwise, you are hosed. One other thing of note: we don't have a lot of this on the 2019 courses, but on this hole, we've got a little bit of mud butt. Oh gosh, I've oh not... good god, it's mud. I I, I don't think I've. Uh had the mud butt on this hole. Uh, yeah, yeah. Just had, left of the green, you got a little mud over there. Yeah, had, had the mud butt uh, prior to the podcast here, but uh, <laughs> that, that's been eliminated. Uh, but yeah, I, I haven't been in the mud there. So if you want to break down, how does mud kind of react for folks who uh, may be newer and haven't played courses or had mud butt? <laughs> I think we've all had mud butt. <laughs> uh, so mud is a, I think it's a, a I don't know, a ground type that we were introduced to with uh, Grand Savannah, maybe? That sounds correct. I think that was the first course that had mud. And uh, just takes a ton of distance off. Huge. And uh, so uh, probably like, ultimately like, at least half the distance of your normal distance of that club, maybe even a little bit more yeah. than that. Um, and uh, so usually, Grand Savannah, there, were, there was mud near greens sometimes where you just needed to be cognizant of, okay, make sure I don't chip this like a normal chip. I make sure I get it on the green. But sometimes on, on Grand Savannah, you'd find yourself in mud where you're just like, I got to get just back to the fairway. Yeah. Because I could, I could try to hit it 150 yards with my driver and get near the green, but that's just not happening. And, and it goes 20 yards yeah. or something so, stupid. Uh, yeah. So in this case, the mud is right by the green. Uh, and uh, but you just make sure you play it a lot harder. I mean, it's still gonna it's gonna adjust your cursor appropriately. If if your gap wedge normally goes seventy, the cursor will say thirty five or whatever the number is. Yeah. Uh, but just make sure you're giving it enough juice, especially if you're chipping, uh, to get it on the green and just get out of that mud. Yeah, give it that gervais juice. My gosh. So Agave Ranch hole six is par three. Similar to the first par three, uh, you got a lot of room for air here. You can definitely take a run at this hole. Uh, you're not going to see much grade in the green here. For the most part, it's going to be a down three green. So you can definitely use either roll if the pin is all the way at the back, or if it's all the way at the front, potentially use backspin and definitely chase a hole out here, Tony. Yeah, I don't. I don't remember specifically. Specifically, I feel like this. I mean, the look on Golden Tee Fan is from 119 yards. I feel like there's a couple other tee boxes. You've got a, you know, your 170-yard tee box and your 230-yard tee box. Uh, ultimately, still not that difficult of a hole. Uh, it's not a lot of slope in the green, plenty of green to work with. Whether you got grabbers, rhizoids, or streaks, you should be fine. Go after it. Yep. Hole 7, uh, our second par 5 here. Uh, got a few options on this. Uh, if you're Adam Kramer, then you go way off to the left and tuck yourself behind a cliff for no reason. Uh, I wouldn't do that. I would not advise going behind a cliff. I would do one of two things. I want to, let's say one of three things. So uh, I originally started playing this hole almost just dead straight from the look on Golden Tee Fan, a little bit left of the green. There's a kind of a little valley in between a couple hills there. Ended up going there. Uh, 
what ended up happening occasionally is you'd, you'd hit the rock on the fly and get a weird bounce and end up in a kind of a stymie position. Yeah, there's some boulders in between those two hills. Down that little yeah. valley, it's definitely nice and flat. You can get to the green in your second shot for an easy eagle, uh, but there are definitely boulders there to be cognizant of. Uh, and so what I end up doing most of the time now is going way to the right. So two clicks, three clicks right of the green, you've got... You, well, first of all, you've got a big green patch over there, and, and it looks like rough. You'd assume it's rough, Initially, but it's not. Yeah. But it's, uh, what are they, desert turf, I think they call yeah. it? Yeah, and it plays clean. The ball yeah, checks it's up. it's almost like fairway or maybe yeah. first cut or something like that. And you just need to make sure that you're at the end of that because there's kind of a slope. Like, uh, if you don't get near the end of it, then you'd be way below the hill that might be in front of you. So you want to get to the end of that desert turf. And I'd probably go there 25% of the time. Uh, otherwise, most of the time I'm just blasting over that desert turf into the desert sand or desert rock or whatever it's called. Uh, and from there it's 220, 240 yards, kind of in that range. And uh, and it's a, usually four wood, three wood, something like that. Because again, you're playing off the dirt, so you take a little distance off, but uh, not such a bad shot. No, not at all. Uh, should, should be a pretty easy eagle here, uh, but definitely have some different options based upon the tee box that you're in. Hole number eight, Agave Ranch, par four, drivable. This is a pretty straightforward one. We've seen some other par fours where you have to go over hills or mounds or valleys. Uh, this one per, for a par four is pretty straightforward for this course. There are a couple different tee boxes, and they do bring in different elevation changes, though not much. Some of the uh, left-handed and center tee box, I believe that you're playing uphill at this hole. However, the tee box over to the right, I think you're actually playing slightly downhill. It's going yep. to be longer, but you're going to be playing downhill. It's a fairly good-sized green. Uh, I haven't seen the pin really in the center of this green that often. Yeah. Either seems to be tucked, tucked, excuse me, tucked up against uh, one of the edges of the fringe, uh, either at the front or off to the right. I don't think I've really seen it in the back left um, or in the center of this green. Yeah. Uh, I think this is, uh, speaking of the TOC, I think this is where Mark Stenmark got back one of his strokes. I believe he aced this. Uh, it was on the stream. He loves to hold out. Well, I'll, I'll toast up to Mark Stenmark's yeah, ace. Yeah, I don't. I'm not playing right now, so I'll drink it though. Mm -hmm. So yeah, that that tee box way on the right. Uh, mm. I never got it, and then I got it like four rounds in a row, <laughs> and then I never got it again. So uh, it goes in stretches, uh, you know, as a lot of tee boxes do, setups do. Uh, relatively straightforward hole hole here, but. Tends to be offset a little bit, so it you know it yeah. just throws you, throws you a little curveball with the offset. But again, if you can see the pin, for me, if I can see the pin even with an offset, that helps me judge a little bit better. Yeah. Hole five, uh, or hole nine, sorry, par five, uh, and this is oh, we, what we didn't talk about at the beginning of this round was that Agave has a par of twenty eight to thirty. Mm -hmm. With a ultimate par Ooh. of minus thirty-two. Now we don't want to consider those two extra strokes as really par because they're they're extreme luxury strokes. So few and far between. Luxury yeah. strokes. That's that'd be a good uh, <laughs> that'd be a good player name. If I wasn't whammy, I'd play as luxury strokes. Yeah. Or a porn name. Yeah. Uh, but this was one that is super occasionally drivable, or at least chip inable from inside twenty-five yards. Uh, and I got that the other day. I chipped in from 15 or 20 yards or something like that. Uh, and that's just with, with the look we've got here. You're one click left of the hole or left of the green, and you hit a big uh, big A1. 
<laughs> and you need a good win to do it, and you need a good pin to do it, because if, if the pin's on the right-hand side, it's going to be a 50-yard chip or a 60-yard chip, which is no good for me. Might be good for some, not others. Uh, so for me, uh, most of the time, though, I'm, I'm just kind of blasting between these two uh, between these two mountains dead in front of us and getting out in the fairway that Agreed. way. Agreed. Yeah. And I, from there, it's a relatively straightforward par 5. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to take a high tee, you know, 99% of the time and just go straight in kind of the valley between the two mountains. Just look for the lowest point in that. And typically it's going to be a 290, 310. You're going to leave yourself a nice short approach shot into that green for your easy eagle. Yep. Uh, next up, hole 10, par 3. Uh, worth talking about, I think, a little bit. This hole gets me. Yeah. Uh, I'm coming in. You, the distance distance is usually something like a 8-wood or a 3-bird or maybe a 6-wood. Uh, the three bird can be a little dicey because this hole is uphill. Yes. Uh, and it, so it, it may not look it initially, but uh, after you've played it a couple times, and if you've come up short, you're damn sure going to realize that there's uphill in it's this. It's definitely uphill, and they love, love, love that sucker pin on the front right, which mm-hmm. is exactly the pin that they've got here on the Golden Tee Fan. Uh, that is a sucker pin. Don't go for it. Mm-hmm. It's not worth it. Uh, unless you've got just a perfect setup for it. But anyway, a little uphill, so make sure to play for that. So in that regard, uh, if you're deciding between an 8-wood or a 3-bird, go with the 8-wood. Take the loft. Uh, take the loft. And so uh, I've thumbed a 3-bird or 2 into this hole uh, unsuccessfully and barely successfully. So uh, you got to be a little careful if you're coming in with a low lofted club. Yeah, I, I find myself hitting a pretty hard 8-wood with bite often or cutting down a 6-wood with backspin and intentionally just putting a little bit of a cut on it to take off distance. I feel that this hole, it seems to always set up where your 6-wood is at the back of the green on the club indicator yep. and your 8-wood is right at the front edge or just short. Uh, so I'm either hitting the 8-wood pretty dang hard or trying to take some distance off of a 6. Okay. So hole 11, Agave Ranch, par 4, drivable here. Uh, we got a couple different tee boxes here, and the majority of the time, I'm going to use a high tee on this. Yep. Uh, I've experimented with using a stock tee. A lot of times you're going to have about, goodness, what would you say, probably 270 to maybe 310 into this hole. I, I find the, probably the common distances. Yep. And right. the pin moves around on here pretty good. Mm-hmm. And in going after it with uh, outpaying the tee tax, I found that if the pin is over on the right-hand side of the green, a forward that I normally think I could power smoke with bite and you know get up and over, it'll get up and over, but on its descent into the green, it comes up just a little short, and all of a sudden it's ricocheting off that rock. It's still going to bounce out and on the green, but it might kick you a little left, kick you a little right. So I've just paid the tee tax for the most part every time now and uh, just try to guarantee myself a putt for eagle. Yeah, I think early on I, I found myself... Uh, doing pretty well on this hole with hole outs and, and GSP and, and not so much recently and but I think it just goes in stretches as does any hole but uh, yeah I think most of the time I'm, I end up using a, a tee. Anything on the right hand side of the screen I think is a much easier setup. Uh, the, yes. the look on goldenteefan.com is uh, on the left side much more difficult look uh, you've got a, a relatively deep bunker there right by the left side of that green uh, and not much room to play with past the green, and so that's definitely the more difficult look. And especially, I mean, the look here we've got on GoldenTeeFan.com is a, probably about as tough as this look gets. Uh, you've got all the way back, terrible pin, without a good win to go with it. So, uh, especially with this look, take your take your eagle and move on. Yeah, get the hell out of there. 
Uh, hole 12, par 4. This is uh, one of the few par 4s. The fours. rare non-drivable. Yeah, so this is one where you're going to throw it in the fairway. This, uh, this green is really deep, and one of the strategies I've employed here coming into this is that if the pin is in the back half and it tends to be tucked back in that right cranny, you've got a lot of room to run a long wood at this, and I find myself trying to leave myself 250 to 275 in so I can try to either optimize a 3-wood with bite, a 4-wood with release, a 5-wood with roll, something I can... Uh, definitely take into this. Your approach shot is going to be a little uphill and one of the common mistakes I made initially was just you see a par 4 it's not drivable you just blast whatever you have off the tee. Well coming into this hole it's slightly uphill and I've kind of screwed myself a couple times with leaving a 6 iron, a 6 wood, an 8 wood, just a club that I had a gap in my club set and I was hitting uphill and you're getting increased winds now and I, I just don't uh, I, I don't like having that club set or that club option, I guess, when you have an opportunity to go after a hole and have a much shorter gap with a, you know, five wood, four wood, three wood. So I found myself laying back in the fairway fairly often. I think that uh, uh, similarly, I, I, I found myself as a non-drivable par four here. I, I don't think much about it. Right? Mm -hmm. And so I, I didn't pay much mind to this hole in general. And and what ended up happening was because this this fairway slopes severely from left to right, and then slopes down into like a little dirt gully. Yeah. Uh, and it was already going to be uphill from the fairway, but now you're in the dirt and it's uphill. I found myself screwing up this hole a couple times just by not paying much attention to my drive. So, uh, long story short, make sure you pay attention. Make sure you're in the fairway. Don't uh, don't end up down in the dirt to the right because. Uh, it's going to be a long club and it's going to be uphill and, and definitely an opportunity to screw up from there. And you don't want to be screwing up a non-drivable par 4. No, not at all. Over to Agave, hole number 13. It's a tier! Oh, multi-tier green here. Uh, and in this screenshot on goldenteafan.com, we have a upper pin location. And a beautiful sunset. Yeah. The, uh, the upper pin location, I feel, is always seems to be on that top left portion if it's on the yes. upper portion yeah, yeah. and so, if yeah. it's in the bottom tier of the green it always seems to be on the right hand side of it so I feel like it's kind of polar opposites this is uh, this is a good hole and I've screwed this up at those Wisconsin tournament uh, I thought it was a nice gravy setup with the pin on the bottom and it seems like the elevation doesn't really change much but I found myself definitely either coming up short or longer than I've anticipated a couple times on this hole. And with how they kind of will tuck the pin in either the upper left or the bottom right location, a lot of times this is not a hole I'm chasing. I'm trying to get into that 15, 20 foot range, taking my birdie and moving on. Yeah, I think as we get to hole 13 here, the wind is up. And so if I've got a hole that can play this short, 100 yards, and the wind is up, and I don't have a very big green, that usually finds a pretty troublesome gap in my clubs yeah. right? because I go from my gap wedge at 70 yards to my 9 iron on 100 to my 9 hybrid at 130 yeah. and you know if this is big headwind from 120 into a up 6 green that's that's tricky. Yeah, that's interesting. So then you're then you're just hoping to be anywhere on the right tier at that point and, and get your birdie. So good hole uh, really I, in general a nice job of there's not a ton of tiers on these greens this year, but I feel like they were used in the right places. Yeah. Par threes. Make that green a little bit smaller than it otherwise would be by having a different tiers and not using it just for random holes for what seems like sometimes, at least last year's courses, not the best reasons. 
Uh, hole 14 uh, can be a little bit similar to some of the other par, drivable par fours here we've got on Agave Ranch. Uh, you've got some uh, in between, you've got a couple different tee boxes. Uh, you've got some uh, grove of cacti in between uh, yourself. Cacti, plural, and, love yeah, it. Yeah. Yourself and the green, a little bit uphill, I believe. And uh, but all the all told, really not that difficult of a hole. If you're yeah. on the right hand tee box, you probably don't even have to pay the tee tax. Just play a little baby uh, C3. Uh, you could even bounce it up short of the short of the green and onto the green yep. if you need to. Uh, if you're on the left hand side, you probably have a di couple different options. Whether you, you you pay the tee tax and you hit a high six or a high five, or you uh, maybe don't pay the tee tax and wrap a little bit of a A1 around the hill. Uh, all in all, not such a bad hole here. No, not not forgetting this late in your round. Not not at all. Uh, hole number 15. This is a par 5. There are a couple different approaches, and I'm actually going to toss it over to Tony Johnson. We, we talked about streaking and how in the ultimate setup, uh, this could actually be a drivable par 5. Yep. I, uh, 95% of the time, I'm just hitting a big A1 out into the fairway and have about 200 yards in from there. Uh, but uh, this hole is occasionally drivable. I've driven it twice, and I've had uh, relatively short chips a few other times. Uh, there's a couple different ways you can get there. So uh, I've gotten there, the two times I've actually gotten on was with an A1, where I was riding kind of a, a wind that was about uh, know, two o'clock or one o'clock. Uh, an A1, one click left of uh, dead at the green with a 290 driver. Mm. Uh, and then the other times that I've been close have been with a C3, basically riding the wind the other direction. Uh, I don't, I'm not sure that there's quite a way to get on the green that way. The, the reason that A1, I think, gets on the green is sometimes it hits a rock that's a little bit of a downslope. Interesting. And, and you, get a, you can get a pretty big bounce that way. And I haven't been, other than, you know, just exploring the hole and seeing what's possible, uh, I haven't really been stymied by going that way. I, there hasn't been much of a downside to uh, exploring, uh, trying to drive the screen. Interesting. Yeah, it's, as someone who plays with the Razoids, a.k.a. Razors, um, I'm typically just going out. We have a split fairway here with a huge bunker in the middle. Um, I'm just going after the left-hand side of the fairway, going deep, primarily an A1, or sometimes wind-dependent and T-box-dependent, just hitting a straight B2 off the T, hitting backspin or roll, trying to get the distance out there. But to Tony's point, I find myself always having either a 6-wood six, six or 8-wood coming into this hole, uh, usually with cut and ultimately going bite or backspin at it. Next up, hole 16, par 3. Probably, in my opinion, the best par 3 that Jim Z designed this year. I think we talked about a lot of our, our enjoyment of the par 3s in general mm -hmm. with, with the tiers. Uh, this doesn't need a tier. This is, this is a tough little hole, uh, and uh, I like it a lot. Yeah, uh, to me, the first thing I thought of when I saw this hole was Royal Dubai 18. This okay. is the, the yeah 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 that that thought hasn't crossed your mind no it hasn't actually. really weird I, uh, I as soon as the new courses are out I forget <coughs> everything that came previously so this uh, this hole I've I've tried to uh, think of as Royal Dubai eighteen for the most part and I remember uh, tapping in one time when I stuck the green early on and it said birdie and I'm like wait I didn't screw up this hole and I realized it was a par three uh, this is a sneaky good hole to Tony's point I think there's a great par three best par three on the course for sure and probably among the best par threes in the game this year uh, being this late in your round you're going to have win variance you got an up 10 green uh, a lot of times similar to Royal Dubai 18 I find myself putting a slight cut on this shot 
with bite uh, to try to alleviate some of that, but I think this is a great hole. And there's actually kind of a rock formation that sticks out in the screen, and you have different tee boxes giving you slightly different angles at this hole. Uh, unlike Royal Dubai 18, uh, there is a tee box way far off to the left that does turn this into, goodness, I think it's like a up seven, right seven green. Yeah. Uh, so this hole for a par three this late in the round gives you a variety of options, and it can be pretty tricky. Yeah, I think uh, I've gotten these two tee bo- the two tee boxes that I've got most commonly that make it up ten. It's probably at least 80% of the time that I've seen. Vast majority, yeah. Uh, But, yeah, and actually I I must prefer the tee box to the far left. I feel like I can cut a a five bird or a three bird in there. It feels like a safer shot than than this uh, straight up ten look. Uh, I end up, with streaks, I end up playing a lot of... uh, just a bite on this hole with a, a five wood or a four yeah. wood or something like yeah, that. Yeah, very rarely am I using backspin at this And hole. it feels like recently it's almost been exclusively that back pin, and I haven't gotten that front pin nearly as much as I got early on. But I'm sure that'll go in stretches. Uh, hole 17, drivable par four. Uh, I don't know, not uh, not such a complicated hole here. What Kind of what no. you see is what you get. Uh, you're going into a down six, down seven. Uh, kind of like, uh, what is that, hole 16 on uh, Beals? Hmm, interesting. Very similar. Uh, but, uh, yeah, sometimes a high tee, sometimes not. Uh, with streaks, you know, I try to avoid high tees because I, I need that extra spin I can get. But, uh, yeah, pretty straightforward hole here. Yeah, initially when this, you know, first came out, the 2019 courses, I found myself... Not necessarily using a tee, but palming the ball on this hole a lot. And lately, I, I think I've kind of honed in my distances and felt a lot more comfortable depending on your tee box location as well as the pin location in actually just thumbing the ball at this, where I felt like I could actually take better aim at this hole with thumbs as opposed to a palm shot. Uh, but you, you'll have to you know kind of discover that on your own and see what suits your game in terms of your approach to this hole. Yeah, I think, I mean, and the, we should mention the tee boxes. The, the look on goldenteefan.com is kind of the one tee box off to the right. Uh, plays a lot longer from there. Uh, probably less apt to use a tee from this look, uh, yeah. as opposed to the two tee boxes on the left where you're going to end up having a hill in front of you. Yeah, if you play a six-wood or a five-wood and, and palm it, you probably get over that hill, no problem. Uh, but yep. depending on the wind, you might end up uh, using a high tee over that hill uh, from the front, the front left two boxes. So we're going to close it out with Agave Ranch hole 18, and this uh, this seems to be a par 5 that potentially could have been included on Beals Creek because as a closing hole, uh, it's not that difficult, Tony. Uh, I agree. Uh, I, I I go in stretches on this hole where I, I probably end up just getting too greedy. Hmm. Like I don't, Again, it's one of those holes where I just don't respect enough respected enough to give it enough attention interesting um and so i end up screwing this hole up more than i probably should um again the streaks don't help uh it's a down 10 green but usually there's an option for me to to hand unless i unless it's playing really long and i happen to have a tailwind uh usually there's a pretty decent option for me with it with streaks uh, but yeah you can you can either you got a lot of options here i've done a lot of different things you can blast it in the far fairway to the left and have maybe a uh, 150 to 180 yards in from there, you could go into the fairway, the short fairway, and have maybe a, a three wood or something from there. I've been in the rough a couple times, so if I've got a big headwind with a back pin, 
I might purposely go in the rough hmm. and just throw some bite on it and let just kind of check and roll for a while. Interesting. Uh, so you got a lot of options here, but ultimately it's just not that difficult of a not that difficult of a hole. Yeah. So myself, I'm just going to the end of the first fairway here. The majority of the time, probably 80 percent of the time, I would yeah. think. And using razors, that's going to give me a shot where if the pin's down at the bottom, I can roll something out with bite. If the pin's up top, I know I can hit backspin and get it to check up pretty decent. And being that's a straight down 10 from that portion of the fairway, uh, I don't find, like I said, I, like I, said I, I don't find myself getting in, in trouble that often. I think the only time I really uh, <laughs> get in trouble is that when I go to that second fairway and all of a sudden I've turned this down 10 green into a green that's, you know... Down seven, left eight. <laughs> yeah, down seven, left eight, and you're definitely at the end of your round here getting some big wins where it can definitely get a little bit trickier, but yeah. I start trying to chase and potentially finding different angles. Uh, on this screenshot of Golden Tee Fan, uh, if we were in one of the left tee boxes, I could potentially see going to the left-hand fairway to try to alleviate some of that 15 win, but then on the flip side, then you're also bringing in different green slopes, so it's... Uh, it can definitely get interesting. It's Sophie's choice. Yeah, it, it can get interesting, but for, but for a closing hole, I anticipated something uh, that was going to be a little more risk-reward, a little more challenging than a par 5 like this setup. Yeah. I mean, not a simple hole, but not also not that difficult of a hole. Yeah. So uh, closing out Agave Ranch, uh, typical par is going to be between 28 and 30. With ultimate par, a couple of extremely borderline drivable par 5s, which in theory could bump it up to minus 32, but uh, good luck trying to find an actual minus 32 setup at any yeah. point this year. Uh, maybe one of the dailies would be minus 32 setup. But, uh, but uh, yeah, good luck on Agave Ranch. And uh, that was number four out of five. And next up we will do uh, Pembroke.